This morning, uh, I want to share with you the third principle. And these principles come out of a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that we wanted to be the core building blocks of that ministry. But we never wanted it to end there. We wanted those principles to change and transform our church, not just our church basement. Uh, We don't have a basement here, but a lot of AA ministries and Celebrate Recoveries happen there. Sometimes the best ministry that happens is in basements rather than sanctuaries because of the legacy of AA. We want that to transform this place. We want that to transform our lives. These are not just principles that happen in a room on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, but that they infect all of us. So we want to be a church that welcomes all people. We want to be a church where no one is perfect and we're allowed to say that. But third, what we want to focus on today is that anything is possible. And some of us may need to have that hope restored this morning. And my prayer is today when you leave after these stories are shared, that you'll have a greater hope about that, whatever you may be walking into and through in your life. Let's pray as we open uh, the word this morning. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much for Jesus and for uh, the life that he lived and for the gift that he is and for the incredible miracles that he worked. And it didn't start with Jesus. It happened long ago in creation. You've been moving in the world and you've been doing what seemed impossible. God, in our lives, we know there are impossible situations that cannot be moved without your movement and your spirit's movement in our lives. And so this morning, I pray over each and every person in this room and every situation that's encountered that seems impossible, that you would remind us and you would convince us again this morning that you would woo us to a love for you and a a trust that you can do even the impossible. This morning, I pray you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read from uh, Mark chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open there, your Bible app. Mark chapter 9. This story uh, is a story about Jesus, um, and it's a healing story. But before that, there's a dad who comes with a son who has an evil spirit that's causing problems with this son. And, and so he comes to Jesus, and he comes to the disciples first, and they try to heal him, and the disciples aren't able to heal this boy. And so the father goes to Jesus and says, your disciples aren't able to heal this. Maybe, maybe you can do something about this. So he presents the son. This is the encounter that happens. Mark 9, beginning in verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. I don't know where you are in your trust about that statement this morning. Maybe you're saying, if he can along with this man. And, and Jesus responds well even in this and ends up healing the boy. But this morning what I want to do, instead of telling all the reasons why we shouldn't believe anything's possible, which I'm able to do because I tend to be a winner Christian, right? I see all the downsides. I, I see all the reasons to protect people's faith from believing what's possible. Because if God doesn't come through, what might happen on the other end if we don't lean into healing and into that belief? This morning I want to lean against kind of my natural bent. And I just want to tell stories about how God has acted in the past and in our present. And we need to trust that anything is possible. And some of us need to have that revived. I need that this morning. So I pray this is helpful to you. Story number one. It seemed impossible at the time. Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 years old. But in the story, God takes Abraham out and he shows him the night sky and he says, I want you to look at the stars in the sky. And he says, your your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now that doesn't seem impossible in a way. It seems 
hard to believe for any of us that our descendants would be that numerous, but time goes by and that's believable. The problem is they didn't have a son and they're 190 years old. It seemed impossible, right? There are some things that are are near impossible, right? This would be one of them. Now, I want to be real honest with you. We, as a church staff and as a church leadership, our prayer leaders are in the back that would love to receive you at any time. We, we take seriously all the requests that we get from you that you write down that are prayer requests that you offer. Every week, we, we lift those up in prayer. We pray for, for, each of, uh, for, for members in our church every single week on Wednesday mornings. We have a, a list that we work through to get through the whole church through a calendar year. We, we're committed to prayer. And I, don't, I can't remember one prayer request that we've ever gotten that we kind of snickered at and didn't think it was a serious request. We, we take it seriously. But if someone who was 190 were to write us that they were having infertility problems, I, there might be a snicker that would happen. We, we committed to prayer. We're committed to that. But there are some things we think are impossible. But we serve a God who does the impossible. What's incredible about this story is even though Abraham and, and Sarah laugh, at this idea that they would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, nine months later, Isaac is born. Story number two. It seemed impossible at the time. James and Teresa Shaw had been married a few years, and they had a plan like a lot of us about how life would go. After all, you get married once you find that person. Hopefully you're able to start a family. And it was about a year into that process of trying to start a family that they discovered this may not go the way they planned. So they went through tests and they found out that both of them had things that would need to be, God would have to work in order for something to happen. It wouldn't be a real easy process. And the financial hurdles began to go on top of that. That made it impossible for many of the uh, treatments and procedures that others had gone through. And so they saw it as nearly an impossible situation. The doctors would say it would have been and such. But they began to pray about that because they believed in a God who could do the impossible. Now, James and Teresa would tell you that this is their story. It doesn't mean it's everybody's story, right? God works in different ways, and sometimes the story doesn't end like theirs does. But they also want to give God glory to say that after they asked the church to pray for this, and they asked their friends to pray for this, and they prayed for it themselves, uh, Dylan came along. Now there's three on stage. And what we want to do this morning is to say what in situations that seem impossible, God does do the impossible sometimes, doesn't he? And, and, and so Teresa often refers to Dylan as uh, her miracle child. And that's not a, a statement that's just a slight statement. That's an intentional statement to give God glory for what God has gifted. And this church got to celebrate that years ago, and we still get to celebrate with this family. And we're grateful and give God glory. Amen. Story number three, it seemed impossible at the time. There, there were all of these tribes, 12 of them that had gathered together and, and, and they were about to go into what was called the promised land. The problem was they had to spy the land to know what was ahead of them. And so in the midst of that, they sent out 12 spies and they go into the land and they discovered there some people who were descendants of Anak, which may not sound terrifying to you, but these are giants of men, right? In fact, they come back and they say, you know, we don't think we can go in. We, this seems like an impossible situation. Surely we've got the wrong land. We can't possibly do this task. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. That's the size differential. There's 10 of them that say that. There's two of them, Joshua and Caleb, who come back and what they say is, 
Actually, we think we should, because if God is going to do this, then we've got to trust that he's going to carry us through and provide what's needed. And in the midst of a situation that seemed impossible, Joshua and Caleb believe that we serve a God who can do the impossible. And against insurmountable odds, the people of Israel took over Jericho. They took over Philistine country. And they moved into this promised land, and eventually they had their capital city, the city of David, in Jerusalem. We serve a God who does what seems impossible. Story number four. Grant and Becky Glover had gotten married like a lot of people in, who go to Christian schools, pretty young. They, they followed Jesus most of their lives. They'd been baptized. They'd gone to a Christian university. Everything seemed like it was going as it should, right? You make a faithful commitment to someone, but, but almost three years into marriage, uh, things began to kind of fall apart. Uh, things came out, and Grant shared his story before, and I'm grateful for his willingness to do that. Uh, it was internet pornography addiction that was a struggle for him. He was also caught up in drinking on a daily basis because uh, of the anxiety, just trying to escape all the pain that was there that we all have a sense of in our lives. And when that was discovered, it led to a three-month separation. It seemed impossible at the time that things could get better. It would take a lot to begin to trust for that to develop again. When Grant made the decision to step in to celebrate recovery, ministry that we have here every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, he stepped into that ministry before our church ever had this established, and he began to deliver his life uh, to confess all of those sins and imperfections, all the hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and God began to bring healing into Grant's life, and he's experienced sobriety from both of those uh, substances and issues for years now. And I'm grateful for that story, and I'm grateful that uh, Grant and Becky are here showing what God can do to restore a relationship that seemed like it was hopeless, like it was impossible. Because we serve a God who can do the impossible. And the good news about the story is now they're using their hurt and their pain to bless others, even dozens, and celebrate recovery each week as they help others find hope in situations that seem just as impossible. To God be the glory. Story number five seemed impossible at the time. After all, they'd been in slavery for 400 years, the Israelites, under the greatest empire of that time, the Egyptians. And uh, once you've been in bondage for that long, you begin to lose hope. You begin to think things are impossible. You begin to think maybe we are meant to be slaves. But God sent a deliverer, a liberator named Moses, one they thought was actually an Egyptian, but turned out was actually a Hebrew. And this Moses comes and he begins to have a staff do these miraculous things. And all of a sudden these plagues begin to happen. And these people who've been in bondage for four centuries begin to realize that maybe something new is happening. Maybe something new is possible. Sure enough, God frees them. He liberates them from their bondage. And they leave and they go toward this land, the promised land that, that God had promised for them. But on the way, they go a, a little bit different route than you'd expect. They camp right up right next to the Red Sea. Certainly don't have the high ground, not a place to escape to, just kind of a waiting place before they move on. Well, their worst nightmare became a reality because what seemed impossible actually ended up happening. The Egyptians realized what they lost, all of their slave labor, and so they went chasing after all of the Israelites who were there camped against the Red Sea. All of the chariots, all of Pharaoh's horsemen, all of the troops are there trying to take down and, and, and take back what they thought was theirs. 
And in this impossible situation with nowhere to escape to except being pushed into the heart of the sea, Moses raises his arms and the sea parts and they walk to the middle on dry ground. As they walked through, Moses kept his arms raised, but as all the Israelites passed through, he brought his arms down and turned up the waters covered back over the entire Egyptian army. It seemed impossible, but we serve a God who does the impossible. Story number six. Galen Jones grew up in West Dallas. Um, He grew up in a broken family, in a family where... uh, he sought attention from others and had a friend group that was, uh, well, let's just say, how do I put this? He, uh, he gained expertise in different areas than I did growing up. Uh, some of you know Galen's story. Um, there was some drugs involved at the time, and, and Galen could help others find that sort of thing at the time. And no one would have guessed at that time that Galen would ever end up as a minister at the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ, spiritual direction minister of all things, right? He knew one direction. This was another one. It seemed impossible at the time. In fact, people said, Galen told me this story that in, in his class, his graduating class, although you didn't quite get there, right? But in that class, uh, that he was not the most likely to succeed. He was the most likely to fail, the, most, the least likely to succeed. But we serve a God who does the impossible. In the midst of that journey in Galen's life, he wound up on the steps of a church building, the Webb Chapel Church of Christ, And he found some people there who believed that anyone should be welcome, even Galen, and that no one's perfect. And he walked into a 12-step recovery meeting and people who lovingly pointed him to Jesus. And in the midst of that, what seemed impossible became possible. In fact, Galen met Sharon there, which is the best thing that's happened to Galen, right? Uh, And they went as missionaries on the mission field. And now Galen has served here for well over a decade at the Greenville Oaks Church. It's interesting, years ago, people would have sought his direction for a completely different thing in life. But today, the first person we know to call when we need counseling at Greenville Oaks is Galen Jones. Because we serve a God who works impossible things for his glory. Glory be to God. Story number seven. It seemed impossible at the time. Mary and Martha, their tears were beginning to fall because it was clear that Jesus hadn't arrived in time. Lazarus, their brother, had died. They put him where you put dead people. They put him away in the tomb. And then Jesus happens to show up. Now, they had hope that that Jesus could heal Lazarus, even leading up to his death. But the moment he died, that was finished. Now it was time for closure. And in in Jewish tradition, uh, three days it was believed that maybe this person might be sleeping, right? Maybe something would happen that God would restore. But on the fourth day, That was all long past. Now you make plans for the funeral. Well, on the fourth day, you know what happened. Jesus shows up. And Jesus didn't really go with the decorum of the day, if you've noticed, right? I mean, he shows up to a wedding and he makes the, saves the best wine for last. That's not how it worked. He he shows up and he eats with tax collectors and sinners. And he didn't know funeral decorum very well either. I don't know about you. I've never been at a funeral service. I've never tried it myself where the preacher gets up and, reads the obituary, and then says, hey, Frank, it's time to get out of the coffin, right? That's what Jesus does. He goes and he says, roll away the stone. And and the women are concerned because they're like, he's going to stink if we do that, right? They know where this goes. There's no hope for resurrection. But Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out of the tomb because we serve a God 
who does what seems impossible to us. Story number eight. July 30th, 2016, Mike Manning got up that morning to go to a meeting at church of all places. Uh, Mike's testimony had been shared, I think, just before this, actually. In fact, I pulled up the video and I was realizing that was before this day occurred because Mike was walking through Celebrate Recovery and was finding transformation and healing in his life and was testifying to that. And so he was now a leader and he was going to a leader's meeting at Celebrate Recovery that morning, a ministry of this church. And and it was on his way home that he was on his motorcycle traveling 40 to 45 miles per hour when all of a sudden a woman pulled out in front of him and, and his motorcycle crashed. He, in his words, broke everything above his waistline. Uh, traumatic brain injury. Uh, skull was fractured. Uh, hands broken. Shoulder and sternum broken. And Brenda got that call that all of us would dread. That... Uh, her husband was being care-flighted. She didn't know any more than that other than to show up to the hospital. And many of you showed up that same day. And if you saw Mike in those early hours, you knew that this seemed like an impossible situation. Maybe he would survive, but how much functionality would he have for the rest of his life? So we prayed. Prayed as a congregation. People across the country prayed. And people brought casseroles more than they could eat. They were able to share with others, the family. But we serve a God who does the impossible. And Mike and Brenda will tell you that they credit this to God's saving of Mike's life. We're grateful for the ways that God has saved Mike and the ways he's able to continue to give glory to God. And I know they're thankful to the church for the ways they responded. We give glory to God for a situation that seemed impossible, that God brought his salvation. Story number nine, it seemed impossible at the time. After all, David was just bringing the cheese. You remember the story, right? Goliath, this nine-foot-tall giant, and a few weeks ago, I reminded you of the part in the story where he's supposed to bring bread and cheese to his brothers on the battlefield, and there's this giant Goliath. Maybe he's a descendant of Anak. I don't know, but he's a giant, right? And, 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 and so he's calling out, trying to see if there's any Israelite man who would come out and fight him. And the winner of the duel, hand-to-hand combat, would basically winner takes all. It seemed impossible at the time, but we serve a God who does the impossible. And David believed that. So when David enters the scene and he sees Goliath, he thinks, I'm the one who's supposed to go and take down this giant. And, and they all try to put armor on him because at least it'll take a little longer for him to die, right? But David's got another thing in mind. So he takes his slingshot that he killed a bear and a lion with and all of a sudden with one shot he takes down this giant because we serve a God who does the impossible again and again in our lives. Story number 10. It seemed impossible at the time. For decades there was a struggle in the Hervey family and James has been willing to share his story uh, this morning, which I'm grateful for. And so we want to run this video in, in just a moment, but I want you to see the same patterns at play. How God works in impossible situations to do what we pray for and hope for. And uh, watch this video right now. I'm a native Texan. 
born in Paris, Texas, to Christian parents. My parents were very private people, not sharing their lives with anyone, keeping things to themselves, and teaching me to do the same. Very little affection was shown in our home, very few hugs, and the words, I love you, were seldom spoken. I went forward at 12 years old and told the preacher that I wanted to accept Jesus as my Savior. I, I did it because my parents said that I needed to do it, not because I realized what I was doing. I started dating my future wife in 1963, and we married in 1965. Her father was an elder in the church they went to. After we married, he, he told me that unless I was in their church, I wasn't a Christian. It disappointed me so much that I, I started doubting that, that anyone in Christianity really knew what they were saying, what they were talking about. From 1966 until 2016, I rarely went to church, only on special occasions. My unwillingness to participate in family activities and my lack of showing affection to my family caused a major deterioration in my relationships. She would tell me quite often that, you know, I should be in church with her and with the family. It just wasn't important to me to be a part of that life that they had. For many years, I realized that I had something missing in my life. I just didn't know what it was. And I looked in many ways to fill the void uh, with alcohol. I got involved in internet pornography. I knew this was wrong all along. So I confessed this, my wife and my son, seeing the hurt and disappointment on their face is something I'll never forget. This led to a seven-month separation of my wife and I. We started discussions after a couple of months, I think in August of 2016, of finding a counselor to see if our marriage could be reconciled. And so she said there's a counselor at church that we can go to. Being a private person, first of all, counseling wasn't one of my top priorities to do, to go into someone and share my life story. After four or five sessions, he recommended that I go to a program called Celebrate Recovery. I was sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, right, I'm gonna go in and share my story with a group of complete strangers. And in October of 2016, I went to my first Celebrate Recovery meeting. You know, I, I got to thinking, you know, my life is unmanageable. I, you know, I made a mess of it myself. And I need something besides me to correct this. I realized during the first few meetings of CR that my life hadn't been lucky. It was God's love, grace, and intervention. The counselor was put in my life and recommended Celebrate Recovery the same reason that God loved me. Since I'd had no con connection for 50 years, 
basically. I, I didn't, I, I really didn't believe that, that he would be there for me. I found out that that wasn't true. It complete opposite was true. When I, when I called on him, I realized that he had been there all along. I'm the one that wasn't, didn't have a relationship with him. I knew after that that God loved me and he had intervened in my life. I made a faith commitment that I was redeemed by God, gave my life to Jesus Christ, accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and was baptized March the 12th, 2017. Praise be to God. I have a better relationship. My wife and I is in a better relationship than, than we've been in many years. And later this year, we'll be married 53 years. Thank you, James. Uh, I need these stories. Because it's easy to get caught up in faith as this kind of intellectual pursuit or something that's something that happened years ago that doesn't still happen today. But the truth is that God still does impossible things. When I see James sharing, I think about my grandfather. My grandfather, for 50 years, would go to church from time to time. It wasn't until his 70s that he was baptized. Then he came to faith. And that impacts an entire family. It impacts generations. And and that's why I wanted to share these stories with you this morning is it is so easy for me to be cautionary about the power of God. It's so easy for me to say, uh, this can't happen or won't happen in your situation. God doesn't always. And certainly for those who have experienced the pain of loss or haven't had the child with infertility, those stories need to be told and pastoral care needs to be on the other side. And that sermon will be for another day. But just for today, I hope that for those of you that find yourselves in the midst of marital difficulty, for those of you who find yourself in the midst of diagnoses, for those of you who find yourself in the midst of sin struggles that you've given up ever trying to allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform, that maybe you'll walk out today with a belief that anything is possible again.